0: Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there, but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and I hope you're having an incredible day. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, that was redundant, but we're just going with it. <laughs> I am doing a solo show. Now, I haven't done a solo show in a minute, and I just want to be honest with you guys because I believe that bringing lies to the forefront A, it allows them to lose their power and then I get to acknowledge the breakdown and move forward, right? And then also I believe that when we share our fears, we realize we're not so alone in our fears. So what do I mean by all of that? I have been avoiding doing more solo shows out of fear and insecurity. The narrative I've had in my head is that you will only listen to this podcast if I have guests on or that my podcast will only grow if people outside of myself are promoting on their social channels. And you know what? I just know that that is not true. So I share that. And that feels like vulnerable because I want you guys to think that I have it together, but guess what? I don't. I still have insecurities. We all have insecurities and how I really want to move through this content on the refined collective podcast is to come from a space where I am moving from freedom, where I am speaking to you from a place of wholeness and honestly really responding to the things that God is putting on my heart. That being said, I just want you to know that I'm committed to doing more solo shows and stepping into this space that feels vulnerable. There you have it. Solo shows make me feel vulnerable. Fear only has as much power as you choose to give it. And this is me stepping away from fear and responding to something that I feel like God really put on my heart. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm feeling like stuck and don't really have creative ideas, I like to get ideas. I really just have to shake things up and get out of my office and go do something. A huge thing I do, and that is working out. So I was working out this past weekend. I was doing this boot camp. It's called Warrior Fitness Boot Camp in Brooklyn. If you live in New York City or Brooklyn, y'all, it's like CrossFit, but then like so different from it because the guy who runs the place is an ex-Marine and I literally feel like I'm going to die every single time I go. Like we climb walls, we climb the rope that goes to the ceiling. We run around Brooklyn with sandbags on our shoulders. It's super intense, but I always just feel so focused and it feels so good. I love sweating. I love a good workout, but I was mid workout and I wasn't even like thinking about the podcast and the phrase babies, Botox and body image came to my mind. And I was like, Ooh, Okay. What's that about God? And I felt like these are three things that I want to talk about on my podcast. So that's what this episode is all about. Babies, Botox, and body image. And I am not one to be like, ooh, let's do the alliteration. But it was literally that is what came into my mind. So as we navigate this episode, know that. I want to approach each of these topics with nuance and sharing my own personal story. And my heart really is that you would walk away feeling known and with the permission to hope and with the permission to allow yourself to be in process and to be on a journey. Because guess what? None of us are perfect, right? All right. First topic, babies. Now, this last year was really the first time my whole life that I started feeling that biological clock tick. Like I've heard people talk about it before and I just always have felt like I believe I'm going to be a mother. Like I believe that's one of the things that God has created me for. I've wanted to be a wife and a mother ever since I was a little girl and my life could not have turned out differently than I planned it to turn out. But here I am 34 years old, single, I do not have a boyfriend and I am at this age where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling that angst inside. Like I got to start having babies. And this has really been the first few months that I've ever really kind of experienced that. I ran into a friend recently who is 35 and she has endometriosis and she's 30 weeks pregnant and we were talking and she was like, oh my gosh, like I am considered a geriatric case and a high risk pregnancy because I have endometriosis and because of my age. And I think living in New York, one of the things I really love is that people do get married later and that's normal. Whereas I grew up in Texas and I have been a bridesmaid 17 times and I go back home to the South and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel like the old maid at the ripe age of 34 and so behind on life. And it's one thing that I've really appreciated about being in a city like New York is there are more single people, but having that conversation with my friend really kind of like triggered this thing in me. It was right around my 34th birthday a few months ago. And I just felt like, Oh my gosh, I am single as a dollar bill. And I felt this fear kind of inside me of like oh my gosh like I gotta get into a relationship like yesterday we have to get engaged by end of year we have to get married next summer so that we can be married for at least six months before we start trying to have babies because oh yeah by the way like I've never had sex before and I want to like learn how to have sex before I start having babies and so then I need to be pregnant by this month so that I can have a baby before it's super high risk so my mind went down a spiral y'all and I started hearing more and more about egg freezing at this time. It's like one of those things like, you know, when you're not thinking about something and all of a sudden it's in your mind and then it's like everywhere around you. It's like babies, babies, this babies, that egg freezing, this high risk pregnancies, that and oh my gosh, cat, you're still single. So my mind has just been wrapped around this concept of like, oh my gosh, God, what do I do here? How do I move forward in this. And so I started researching egg freezing, And I will be doing a podcast on that soon because I've learned so much about it. But as I'm listening to all these podcasts that people sent me about egg freezing and reading articles, I again, feel this fear rising up in me like, oh my gosh, like I'm 34. I'm behind. What if I can't have babies? Like, what if it is too late? Like, what if by the time I meet someone, that's not a thing I have? Like, I've had this dream for so long. What if, what if, what if? And all of this, I feel like God has really quieted my heart over the last few weeks and reminded me of a few things. First is that I am allowed to voice my desire to God. I love how intimate and attentive God is to humanity, collectively and individually. It's one of my most favorite things about God, like... (laughs) God breathed life into creation. We see in Genesis 1, like there was nothing. And by God's breath, creation was formed. He breathed the breath of life into humanity. And he created the universe and black holes and Saturn and Pluto and tectonic plates and has allowed kingdoms to rise and fall. And he's also created the ants and rocks and leaves and seahorses and knows the freckles on my face and the hairs on my head. And what Psalm 139 says, that before a word is even on my tongue, He knows it. So I am allowed to voice my desire to God. I have the permission to do that. One, because He already knows it. And I think the thing that fascinates me so much about God is it's, I think it's in Psalm eight, it says, who is man that you would take note of him? Like, wow. Like there is a God of creation that breathed everything into existence that didn't just set the world into motion and release his hands and be like, walk, figure it out. He is very intimately acquainted with all of my ways and desires to know me deeply and desires to know my heart. And what a safe, safe place that is in a topic that feels so vulnerable and in a lot of ways, so out of my control, even though I know what's 2019, I have a lot of options here. I can freeze my eggs. I can have a sperm donor. I can adopt, I can foster We I have a lot of options. And in that to know that there is a caring God who my heart is safe with is really refreshing. And just feels like it releases the tension and the fear from me in this conversation. The second thing that I really believe in this is that I'm allowed to hope. I think that a lot of times, especially as women, we downplay our desire because we don't want to be too much or we don't want to admit because we're afraid we're going to be disappointed. We're afraid we're not going to get the thing that we want. We're afraid that the guy we're dating is going to think we're desperate. And here's the reality that I am allowed to want to have a baby, and it doesn't mean that I want to have a baby with a person that I'm on a first date with from Bumble, right? I am allowed to hope. It's okay to hope. In the New Testament in Romans, it says, hope does not put us to shame. That is a promise I claim over myself, over my hope, over my desires on a daily and weekly basis. Now, that's not saying whatever I hope for, I'm going to get So I hope that I get a million dollars today and God says that's not going to put me to shame. No, I don't think that's what that means. But I do think it means that even in the midst of disappointment, even in the midst of unfulfilled longing, unmet expectations, I am allowed, I have the permission to hope. And that takes courage. It takes courage to trust that my hope won't be put to shame. But I am claiming that promise because that is what God has told me. And one of my favorite things to do is just to reflect God's promises back. Like God, you said that my hope won't put me to shame. And God, I really hope that I get to be a mother and have experienced like the miracle of pregnancy and childbirth. Like I want that Lord and Jesus, like I hope for that. And will you give that to me? So in that, I love quoting Mark Batterson. He's the author of Circle Maker. If you have not read the book Circle Maker, it is so transformative. It's one of those books that like I stopped and started like a thousand times. And I finally have slowly read through it this year. But he talks about being bold and specific in our prayers. Like God loves bold and specific prayers. I think one of the reasons God loves bold and specific prayers is because God is constantly on the move. God doesn't get tired. Tired like you and me. God is patient. He's not annoyed when I feel like I sound like a broken record. God doesn't think the way humans think. Like God is like, yes, My people, come to me, share your heart. And we see over and over and over again through scripture that the heart of God is moved to compassion and to act on behalf of his people when they are honest and bold and specific with him. We see this in Exodus when God says, Moses, I'll give you everything you want, but I'm not going with you. And Moses says, no, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not going forward. And so God's heart is changed by the prayers of his son. I think that's incredible. We see it in 1 Samuel 1 with Hannah. She's barren and can't have children. And yet over and over and over again, year after year after year, she cries out before God, God, God. Just give me a son, give me a son over and over and over again. And finally, scripture says in 1 Samuel 1, in due time, God listened to Hannah and she bore a son. And the crazy thing about that story that I really love is the biggest, most bold, specific prayer that this barren woman could even believe for was one child. And she ended her life with six children. It's either five or six children. I feel like I need my own Monica from Armchair Experts right now (laughs) to fact check me, but we'll fact check that in the notes. The overall point here is that God is on the move constantly. And I think we miss out on prayers that God is answering because we hide behind vague prayers. God bless my life. God bless my relationships. And we don't want to be specific because we feel that being specific is desperate or we're afraid of getting disappointed and not knowing what to do with that disappointment. But friend, I want to encourage you and challenge you to be bold and specific in your prayer life be bold and specific with God, be bold and specific with yourself, write it on journals, reflect God's promises back to him. God, you said, I have the permission to hope and that it's not going to put me to shame. So this is what I'm hoping for. And it's important to also share with you that God can handle your disappointment with him. It's okay to be disappointed with God. He is not so insecure or flighty that if you get disappointed with him, he will leave you or judge you. He is gracious and kind and patient. And the beautiful thing about God is that he chooses us because he wants to be in relationship with us. Like God doesn't need us, but he wants us and he wants to be in relationship with you and he can handle your disappointment with him. And I think lastly, as I think about this, desire of my heart like I want to have babies y'all <laughs> like I want to be married like today like yesterday and I want to start my family like that is like one of the biggest cries of my heart. And so I'm going to keep believing for that and I'm going to keep hoping for that. And I am going to reject being driven by fear in this area of my life because God did not come to give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So if I am going to be in a relationship, it's not because I'm like, oh, there's this biological clock and I need to get things moving. No, I want to be moved by God's peace and God's presence and walk in freedom and wholeness and abundance connected to hope because God's plans are way, way, way bigger than mine. I know that might sound like, okay, cliche Bible thing, but I love this verse, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. It talks about how not to him who is able to do abundantly more than we could ask or hope for, to him be the glory, to God be the glory. God's plan for my life, for your life are more abundant, more creative, more colorful, more epic than you could ever imagine. I think back to Hannah, like her big, big, big dream was that as a barren, and fertile woman, that she could have one child. And God's like, girl, I'm thinking bigger for you. I'm thinking more bold. I'm thinking more creative and answered her in such abundance. Like God is an abundant God. And so my plan to, or my dream to want to have a family and to be a wife is a good, good dream. And I can trust that even if that doesn't happen, yeah, that's going to be, really, really hard. I'll be heartbroken. It'll be disappointing, but that disappointment won't put me to shame because that's what God promises me. And that he also promises that his plans for me are bigger than I could ever imagine for myself. And then in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, he says that his plans are for my good and for his glory. So I just want to encourage you with that. I don't know where you are at in this conversation. Maybe you're single and you're like, I want to have a baby so bad. Like I thought I would have a child by now. My life looks nothing like I thought it was going to look like to you. I say, girlfriend, I understand. I am in a very similar space. Maybe you are the person who's like, actually, cat, like, I don't want to have children. And I feel ashamed because our culture values, especially in the church, being a family and being a mother, but I don't feel like I want to have kids. That's okay, too. Maybe you are struggling with infertility. I just want to say I'm so sorry. To wherever you are at in the journey, what I want to breathe and speak over you is hope, is hope, is hope, is hope. Okay, all my single ladies, listen up. Raise your hand if dating as a single woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has been a struggle fest. I've experienced it all from being stuck in the friend zone like it was my job, to my dating life looking like the Sahara Desert, to awkward setups, to heartache, to being ghosted, and pretty much everything in between. But you know what I've discovered? it doesn't have to be this way, truly. I know you're like cat. you don't know me, you don't know my story, and you're right. But I know mine, and I know what it's like to feel hopeless in this area of my life. And I know what it's like to move into my season of singleness and dating with hope and clarity and practical tools and freedom. And over the last few years, I've literally journeyed with thousands of women all over the world and walking into more freedom and purpose in their dating life. So I created a free guide for you to help you jumpstart your dating life and get unstuck. It's called six tips to activate your dating life. You can grab it for free at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. In this guide, I will teach you the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. And then I'm going to show you how to get unstuck in your relationships. I know you want to meet a quality guy, but it's like, how, right? I got you, girl. Then the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically transform your season of singleness. And lastly, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. This guide is for you if you're a woman of faith that longs for a meaningful relationship but have no idea how to get there. Is that you? Then go ahead and go to bit.ly slash trwdatingtips and grab my free guide, Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life. All right, let's move on to Botox. (laughs) Babies, Botox, and Body Image. All right. I don't know what you think about Botox, but for me, I never really had a good feeling about it. And I think, especially when I became a person of faith, when I started walking with Jesus, things like vanity seemed like, okay, I want to accept my beauty, my body, my aging process for where I am at, because, you know, God cares about my heart. And it all just seemed like really, really vain. But here's the thing. People have always thought I was older than I was, which is like super awesome. When I was in high school and middle school and even college and even in my early 20s, I was like, yeah, you think I'm 25 and I'm totally just 20. But now in my mid 30s, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I was uh, out with some friends and we were like all guessing each other's ages a couple weeks ago. And this one girl was like, oh, let me guess, Kat, you're 38. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That hurts my feelings so bad. I am 34 years old. Like, why do you think that I am older than I am? And I just want to be honest with you that one of my biggest insecurities, this might sound silly. You might judge me for this, but I just want to be honest with you. One of my biggest insecurities are the wrinkles on my forehead. Now, I played tennis my whole life outside. I was a collegiate athlete. I coached tennis for years. And so my skin has aged prematurely and I have sun damage and stuff like that. So uh, I just kind of got to this point, like honestly, years ago, like in my 20s, where I secretly was like, I kind of honestly want Botox, but I feel like I shouldn't because that is buying into the cultural narrative of women not being able to age. And I feel like it's out of alignment with this message I preached that like, you are enough and you are worthy. And I feel like people that like get Botox are vain and, and fake and only like vapid people do that, not people like me. So I shouldn't want that. So like I had this like secret secret struggle of wanting Botox, but then like really judging myself for wanting it. And then, you know, I have this blog, They're Fine Woman, and I talk a lot about like clean living and toxic free skincare and all that good stuff. And I, this is like, it's even like hard for me to say this right now, even though people in my everyday life know this. I decided about a year ago to get Botox for the first time. And the reason why I did that is because I realized for a really long time, like I wasn't giving myself even the option to process what I really thought about Botox because I just shut it down because I quote unquote shouldn't want Botox. So I think when we shut our hearts down by saying, well, like I shouldn't want to do that. Well, I shouldn't want to date the guy. Well, I shouldn't want to get Botox. Well, I shouldn't want to have the drink. That's actually not helpful because it stunts me from being able to reach my heart and acknowledge where my heart is really at. And in order to like really make a decision from wholeness and freedom, I need to give myself space to go there, to connect with what my desire is and what it is that I really want without judging the thought or desire. And really only then can we like really unfold like, all right, with the shoulds and shouldn'ts and the coulda wouldas, all the things off the table, what is it that I really want? So my yoga teacher one time put it this way, stop shoulding all over yourself. Should is not helpful. So once I really allowed myself to remove the should from the table, I was like, you know what? This is an insecurity of mine. And I want to try this out and see if it makes me feel good and if I like it and and what that's like. So I did. I tried it last year. And let me tell you, friend, I really, really loved it. And then another layer happened. I judged myself for loving it. And I... I realized up until recently, even though I really loved the experience, I felt shameful and felt silently judged when it came up in conversations. Like it was the secret that I wasn't able to share with everyone in my life because they had strong opinions about it. And then I felt like, oh my gosh, they're going to judge me if I'm honest. So I share this with you today because A, I don't want to judge myself. And I don't want to live in the fear of other people judging me, right? So I have freedom. Actually, no one externally can tell me my worth and my value. And I actually don't have the power or authority to judge myself. I am free from judgment because of who God is in my life, what Jesus has done for me. And by me hiding and not being honest about getting something like Botox... If I'm not sharing it just because I don't want to share it and that's coming from a place of wholeness, that's a different story. But if I'm not sharing it because I'm afraid of what you'll think of me, because I feel ashamed, then fear and shame are keeping me stuck. Brene Brown says it kind of like this, the agenda of shame is to keep us stuck, small and hidden. And I don't want anything in my life to have that power over me because again, God did not come to give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. All right. Another reason why I'm telling you this is because I don't want to be a person that tells half truths. People ask me all the time on Instagram via DMs. I have friends in real life that ask me, oh, my gosh, what do you do with your skin? Like what's your skincare? Your skin is glowing. What do you do for your face? And I am honest, I use a really incredible Rodent and Fields anti-aging system that I will put in the show notes. I use primarily Pure Toxic-Free Clarifying Serum that I really love, and I take really, really good care of my skin. I use hyaluronic acid on my face in the morning and at evening. It is my very favorite thing that I put on my face as far as like anti-aging and moisturizing goes. And I share on Instagram, like use these products for anti-aging effects. But you know what? It's not the full, it's not the full story. The full story is that in addition to that, I also get Botox. So I don't want to be pushing something on you without giving you the full story. And I haven't been giving you the full story for the last, well, year. So I just wanna be honest with that. So yeah, I take very, very, very good care of my skin with the anti-aging skin regimen that I do in the morning and night, and I drink a ton of water and I also get Botox. All right, next thing on top of that, and I think this is kind of where I'm going with all of this with the whole Botox conversation is we're allowed to be people in process I judged myself because I wanted to look and feel younger and I felt like I'd be letting you down if you knew that I still have insecurities because here I am preaching from this platform that, oh my gosh, you are enough. You are worthy. You are beautiful from the inside out. Yet here I was not 100% quote unquote perfectly living my message and still battling with insecurities, but I am in process just as you are. And so the question I have for you and for myself is, do we have space for each other to be on a journey? And the answer to that question is, you know what? I sure hope so. You know, maybe five years from now, I will be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got Botox. That was so silly. I was totally living out of alignment. Or maybe five years from now, I'll be like, you know what? I'm really glad I did that. And I'm really glad that I shared that with people. I want to be a woman of integrity that lives her life without having anything to hide. I want to be the same person on my podcast as I am on the subway, as I am at the bank, as I am at church, as I am with whoever I am. I want to be consistent. So I felt like in efforts of being consistent, I wanted to share that with you. Okay, another thing I forgot to say about Botox. So I used to always hear people say, and this will be the last thing before we move on. I always used to hear people say that, oh, Botox is preventative. And I would honestly roll my eyes. I was like, okay, you're just saying that to justify like how people are like, only listen to the rap for the beats or only read Maxim because of the articles. Oh, okay. So you're only getting Botox because it's preventative. I just didn't believe it. So let me tell you once I started getting Botox, what that actually meant for me. So I got Botox for the first time about a year ago. And the first time I got it, I went into this woman. I went with another friend of mine who has gotten Botox for years and just shared with her my heart, shared with her my insecurities, shared with her, I don't want to look fake. I just, you know, I want to look my age. I want to have a little less wrinkles on my forehead, So I got the Botox, it took like five minutes, it was literally in and out of there, no big deal. You're not supposed to really sweat or work out for 24 hours, which I didn't know the first time. So like right afterwards, I got a massage and had like my face like smashed in a massage chair. And then I went to a yoga class and then I went into the sauna. So six weeks later, my... Botox was like all melted away. So typically, I mean, it can last anywhere between six weeks to like six months, just depending on the person. If you're super active and work out a lot, like myself, it typically doesn't last as long. So six weeks in, I need to get new Botox. So I get Botox again. And I have a conversation with the person giving me Botox and she brings up preventative, use this as preventative, like really, really, if you take really good care of your skin in between treatments, you're actually going to need the treatments less. So that's at this time about a year ago is when I really, really, really got serious about a skincare regimen and doing two times a day and moisturizing, drinking lots of water, hyaluronic acid, using retinol creams and vitamin C, like literally all the things y'all. And then I went from needing Botox from six weeks to three months. And I went in and I needed less Botox than the time before. And then after that time, I needed... Botox five months later. And so, you know what I discovered is actually when people were saying that Botox can be preventative, they're actually right. So it's now been five months. I'm actually getting Botox this week. And I feel like really great about that, that I need it less that I'm really taking care of my skin, that I am seeing actual results from the Rodin and fields and Primely Pure Skin Regimen that I'm using. So I just wanted to share that with you because I thought it was really interesting. Cause I always thought that was a myth that people just used to justify getting Botox. All right, all in all, what I want you to hear about the Botox conversation is that you're allowed to be a person of process. And I would love to hear what your thoughts are on it. I know that this can be a, a kind of like a hot topic Issue for some people. So let's just talk about it. All right. Lastly, body image. I love this body positivity movement that's going on. I am so inspired by women like Ashley Graham, who are literally changing the game in the fashion industry and in our culture, challenging and redefining cultural norms on what beauty is. But I still think we live in a culture of extremism. For example, I'm a size six. Maybe about three weeks out of the year, y'all, I'm a size four, but let's just say I am, I'm a comfortable size six. Today, models on the runways and on magazines are still typically either double zero or size two or 12 plus. Um, And since I've been in the fashion industry for such a long time now as a photographer, I know things like the women that have the hardest time getting any jobs are women from the sizes four to 10. So if you're a size, actually, also, technically, if you're a size four and up, it's considered plus size. So I was told when I was trying to get representation as an influencer, when The Refined Woman was primarily a style blog, I was told that I was plus size because I was size six and that I couldn't be represented because I either needed to gain a bunch of weight and be a size 12 or bigger, or be a size two or zero or lower than that. So in that, what I wonder is, what about women like me? What about a woman who is not on either side of the pendulum? Is she allowed to be beautiful? Is she allowed to be represented in our culture? And what I still see in this cultural narrative is this underlying mentality that breeds, I am not enough. And I think this is such like a clever, crafty way that like darkness spreads in our culture. is like if you're a size two, you're probably feeling like, oh my gosh, like uh, I should be a size double zero. Or maybe I'm not getting as many jobs because I'm not plus size anymore. Or maybe you're like a large portion of the population and you're like a four, six, eight, ten, 10, and you feel underrepresented. Or maybe you're a 12, 14, 16. And yeah, there's this body positivity moment, but you still wish that you were a little smaller than you were. I think wherever we are on the spectrum, like there is this mentality of not enough. And so I just want to bring light to that because I haven't felt enough. And I'm like, if I still don't feel enough, I am sure that someone listening to this today is like, oh my gosh, I feel not enough too. And I want to be honest with you as a, I hate even saying like influencer but I have had representation in the past for like collaborations and partnerships and I have lost influencer jobs and have missed out on representation because I'm not quote unquote skinny enough and now because I'm not big enough. And so I just feel like we got to redeem that. We got to reclaim that. Like actually, I am enough, not some future or past version of me, but me today. So in that, another thing that I have felt but I haven't shared is there are still moments where I feel really insecure about my body, but I have felt as though because of the cultural moment that we're in with like body positivity and me being kind of like smack dab in the middle of like kind of, I mean, what is normal, but I'm in the middle of the spectrum. If we're a culture of extremes, like either double zero or size 12 plus, like size six, like I'm right in the middle. And it's almost felt as though like, I don't have the permission to struggle with my body image because I'm in the middle of the road. And so that's a question that I've had for myself. Like, well, am I allowed to be insecure at times? Am I allowed to have body image struggles, even though like culturally I'm not on either extreme? So this is me telling you that, yes, I've been honest with this before. I'll be honest with it again. I have overcome an eating disorder that I had in college. If you want to hear more about that, we can link in the show notes to my episode all about the eating disorder I had. And I'm so grateful. Praise God for freedom in that. And yes, I'm healthy. And yes, I have days where I totally love my body. But you know what? There are also days where I don't feel confident. In the last two years, I've gained five to seven pounds and have lost some body tone. And you know what? That might sound silly to a a lot of people, but you know what? I have felt less confident recently with my body than I was a few years ago. And I haven't shared that because I have felt like my insecurities aren't valid. It's not like worthy of bringing to the forefront. And that's when I realized I need to address that because we can't compare our pain. Your pain is your pain and it's valid. My insecurities, how big or small are my insecurities? We can't do a comparative analysis on our wounds, right? So I was just listening to this podcast today, This American Life. It's episode 682 and it's called 10 Sessions. It's all about this girl who goes into these 10 sessions of therapy, records them moving through like sexual abuse trauma she had as a child. And one of the biggest things she had to break through and get over was giving herself the permission to grieve and process and seek healing from a sexual abuse experience where she wasn't raped. So she felt like, well, but other people have had it so much worse. It's not that bad. I should just get over it. Right. So I am, you know, I don't want to sit here and compare like my feeling insecure about my my tummy cellulite (laughs) is in line with that woman's pain. But I think what is in alignment with that is we can't compare or put on a point system someone's insecurities. If you're insecure about something, you're insecure about it. And the first step towards freedom and wholeness is acknowledging our stuff and acknowledging that I'm worth gaining freedom no matter how big or little I think the issue is. So I realized me not sharing this with you is because I was afraid of what you might think of me. I was afraid you would think that I am just being, you know this healthy girl that should just love her body anyways, or maybe you think I should lose weight, or maybe you think I should gain weight. I don't know whatever you think, but I don't want to be in bondage to what other people think of me. Are you seeing like a common theme as I'm sharing my story? I can get so stuck in what I think other people are expecting me to do or be. And I know that that's not the life that God has for me. It's not the life that God has for you. So friend, as you are allowed to feel, I am allowed to feel. And as I am allowed to feel, she's allowed to feel. And if she's allowed to feel, he is allowed to feel. So in bringing all this up about body image, what do I hope? Yeah, I hope that our culture can keep having this body positivity moment. And this moment turns into a culture of honor for all shapes and sizes. And that we dive into conversations like, what does it mean to be healthy? And that we don't compare our struggles with other people. So yeah, the reality is there's days where I am feeling myself and love my body and other days where I want to hide behind a baggy shirt. So am I allowed to be a leader even if I am still in flux and have struggles? Am I allowed to be imperfect? Am I allowed to validate my experience, no matter how big or small? And to that I say yes. Absolutely. And where I kind of want to hone in on is this aspect that I think especially comes up with social media where we feel like we have to put this veneered, filtered version of ourselves. Clearly, I struggle with that. As I'm sharing with you, I struggle being honest with you that I get insecure about my body sometimes. But am I allowed to be a real person with real struggles and also still have a platform where I speak out and lead? Yes, 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 yes. God loves imperfect people. The prerequisite to have... A meaningful, impactful life connected to mission and your values and your calling is not perfection. For me, I'm like, you know what? I follow the teachings of Jesus. So let's always go back as a foundation, as a source. Who are the type of people that God uses? God uses people like Moses, who ran from his calling for 40 years, y'all, before, you know, it's so fun to think about how Moses parted the Red Sea and God used him to set the captives free and all this stuff. But Moses ran. He didn't just have like a short stint where he was like, I don't want to do that. And I'm going to go surf for six months in San Diego. No, he ran from his calling for 40 years and God rose him up and used him in powerful ways. We see David in the Psalms and all through the Old Testament. He's a man after God's own heart. He was a liar, a thief, a murderer, an adulterer, and What I love about God using him is like, we see David in the Psalms and in one verse, he's like, why did you forget me, God? Like, are you always going to let the wicked prosper? And in the next breath, he's like, God, you're so good. I'll always look towards you and you are incredible and amazing. And my hope is in you. The Psalms, I think, are some of the most like human experiences and thoughts in the Bible. And then we see in the New Testament, people like Peter, who was like up and down and left and right and like walked on the water with Jesus and like saw miracles and miracles were performed in and through him. Yet when Jesus was being crucified, Peter denied him. And yet God redeems his story over and over and over again. And this broken left and right, up and down person ends up being the pillar in which the church was built upon. So God loves imperfect people. The prerequisite is that, that we have to have it all together. And so I share this with you because I'm sharing it with myself. I'm allowed to be imperfect. I'm allowed to have struggles and I'm allowed to share that with you from a place of, I share this with you not to just be like, let's all commiserate in our wounds. But when we bring darkness to light, it's our first step to healing and freedom. When we bring darkness to light, we realize we're not so alone. So my hope in all of this, babies, Botox, body image is first, for my own conviction to respond like God put this on my heart to share these things with you. And I want to be a person that is not afraid of what other people think of me, but responds out of hope and freedom and calling to the things that God has put on my heart and in my life. My hope and my prayer is that through me sharing these different things that you would know you're not alone, that wherever you are in the process, that you have a seat at the table here, that you have the permission to hope you are allowed to be imperfect. You are allowed to be on a journey that God is not afraid of your doubts. God is not afraid of your disappointments. God is not like, oh crap, can't use her. She's not perfect. That you today, that me today, right now, not some past or future version of ourselves, but you, me, us today, we are enough. So that is my hope and prayer and sharing all of this with you today. I would love to know your thoughts. Join the conversation over on Instagram, The Refined Woman, and let's talk about these things. Thank you so much for listening to my thoughts Hopefully I didn't ramble too much on this solo show. Bear with me, y'all. It's super hard to talk and do a solo show and not have anyone to be making eye contact with (laughs) and seeing like, oh, like when I'm in person, I'm like, oh, this person is tracking with me. And then I can also tell, oh, I've repeated myself 30 times. So please bear with me as I am stepping out in more of these solo shows. And I just want to... Thank you for being a part of this community. Thank you for supporting the Refine Collective Podcast by subscribing, by sharing on Instagram. Every single DM you send me, I read, and it means so, so much. And just in closing, I would love to invite you, if you are not subscribed to the Refine Collective Podcast, go on over either to the Purple Podcast app on your phone. It's free, so if you can't find it, download it from the App Store. Search the Refined Collective Podcast and subscribe to it. And then if you could leave us a five star rating, obviously only if you believe it's a five star podcast. I hope you do. And a written review. I would love to ask you to write a written review about a specific episode that you resonated with and why. So why do I ask that? Because I look through all of your comments, all of your DMs, all of your reviews, and it helps me figure out what sort of content you guys love, what's resonating with you, what do you want more of, what do you want less of, all the things. So would you take a minute subscribe leave us a five-star rating and written review molly craven just left this recent review saying whether you're a single lady looking for purpose in your singleness a busy person looking for peace in the chaos a person of faith asking the tough questions and honestly anyone in between this podcast will leave you feeling inspired and encouraged to live a beautiful full life i couldn't recommend it more molly I just want to give you a big hug. My heart, you stole my heart. Thank you so much. So friends, thank you for um, subscribing. Thank you for being a part of this community. And yeah, talk to you soon.